My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, on this 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time, we, we continue to follow Jesus as he walks with his disciples along the northern edge of Palestine, that quiet area that is populated mainly by pagans. And we can picture you now, Lord, as you're walking ahead of your chosen ones, and uh, you're getting really ready now to trans transmit a very important teaching, a doctrine that they must deeply understand and that they will have to defend, but also have to love deeply. It will be the doctrine of the primacy of Peter, who is one of the chosen ones, Peter. And that primacy will be, of course, important throughout the ages because Peter and his successor will well, always have the last word on the true identity of the mission of the Messiah. So the Lord asks them, who do people say the Son of Man is? He knows, he knows what the answer is, he knows what people have said, but he's still preparing the ground. Because the Son of Man was an expression that appeared in the prophet Daniel, who interpreted the dreams in the Babylonian court, and uh, then he experienced a, a series of visions. And one of these visions was this vision of a Son of Man coming on the clouds. So for the Jews, it came to be associated with the Messiah, a chosen one that would somehow liberate the people of Israel. It wasn't exactly clear how, but, but that's what the Son of Man would do. So, well, who, you know, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's asking them. So they say what people said. It was kind of like an opinion poll. Some people, the Son of Man is John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, they said. And, of course, the title Messiah does not appear in any of their responses, nor the Son of David. And we know that some of the people called him, Jesus, the Son of David, this Canaanite woman, which we saw last week. And uh, so clearly we, we, we can't trust uh, polls like that, and because they don't always transmit faithfully what people really think. So he asks them, point blank, I can just picture you, Lord, staring at them as you turn to them with a maybe, a maybe more solemn tone. But you, who do you say that I am? Forget the opinion polls. I'm interested in what you think. No doubt what they had already asked themselves, they had already asked themselves that question and they had formulated perhaps inconclusive answers or not well articulated answers. And uh, this is truly a solemn moment. They are hesitant. They are kind of uncertain about what to say. And you can imagine how they would have breathed a sigh of relief when Peter stepped forward and declared with a strong voice, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. So by saying that, he spoke for everyone. This was his faith. It had been maturing but now the Holy Spirit prompted him, clarified it, and confirmed it in his heart 
and in the others. You are the Christ. You are the chosen one, the anointed one that God has sent. That's what anointed means. It means the Messiah, the, the anointed one. You are that son of man that Daniel saw on the clouds. You are the son of the living God, he says. They may well have known that Jesus was the Messiah, but they were not sure that he was actually the son of the living God, that is, that he was actually divine. But Peter said, you are the son of the living God, and he articulated it very well. And Jesus indeed congratulated him for this. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Now Pope Benedict has pointed out how this phrase of Jesus has remarkable parallels with a passage in the letter to the Galatians where St. Paul emphasizes too that this gospel is not man's gospel, that He didn't receive it from man, but that this really came as a revelation from Jesus. It it really does come from God. Indeed, up until this point in the gospel, Jesus has been doing miracles and teaching and filling the crowds with awe. But with this declaration, you are the son of the living God, well, the, the tone changes. It's now that he sets really his gaze to Jerusalem to face ultimately his passion. Well, Peter, thank you for articulating this so clearly and stabilizing the faith of the apostles and my faith. Because in front of the passion, which is still a long ways off, I will need to know that this teaching and this passion, all this is really not a human invention, that this really is from God. Before it was there, but it was kind of vague. But now with Peter's words and Jesus' confirmation, it comes, becomes very strong. And I'm sure that they all felt a surge of joy rush through their hearts. And all this leads up to the joyful declaration that Jesus makes about the primacy of Peter. He was able to do that because he had a primacy over the other apostles. And you can kind of hear the joy in Jesus' voice as he changes his name to Peter, from Chephas to Peter, meaning rock, meaning solid foundation. Actually, he changes his name from Simon to Peter. This poor fisherman now would be that rock. The Lord solemnly bestowed on Peter the power to be the foundation for the unity of this church, a power destined to continue through Peter's successes until the end of time. But he did not bestow this on him because he was brilliant and strong, but simply because he was docile to the truth. He loved the truth. He expressed the truth. And so this passage of the gospel always evokes a lot of joy in us, even though there's not an actual miracle, there's no healing as such, but just a proclamation that somehow we really see reaches even today. We really must feel the joy of seeing Peter when, he, when we see the Pope. Whenever we hear him, when we read him, let's ne- never get used to this. You know, back in, in the 1970s, after Pope John Paul II was elected, there was a lot of talk about where he was from and his background. And, and one French journalist, André Fossard, a member of the French Academy, himself a convert, 
wrote a, a book-length interview with Jean-Paul II called N'ayez pas peur, Do Not Be Afraid. And he too expresses that same joy. He said, we had learned that he came from Poland, but my impression was that he had left his nets on the shore of a lake and that he came straight from Galilee on the heels of the Apostle Peter. I had never felt so close to the gospel. And he explains that he was surprised as anyone, as anyone else by this election, uh, Polish Pope, it was surprising. But he felt impelled to tune into this new wavelength so that he could hear clearly the voice of God through this new Pope. You know, when you, when you drive in the car, you're speeding along the highway and you, you try to tune into a clear frequency on the radio, you will hear stations coming in and out, maybe faint voices, static, drum beats, and then suddenly the drone of rock music, maybe too loud, then clear, crisp, classical music, then a foreign language voice, and it fades away. You know, the, 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 the frequencies come in and out when you're on the highway. But the Pope always tunes us into the correct wavelength, the correct frequency as we travel, travel along the road of history and the history of the church. Because whoever he is, he's not just flesh and blood. He'll let us hear the voice of God now. I remember Peggy Noonan, a journalist for the New York Times, wrote many years after Frossard, André Frossard, she said, when I was writing a book about Jean-Paul II, I'd ask those who had met him or saw him, I'd ask, what did you think or say? And they'd be startled and say, I don't know, I, I was just crying. She said, Jean-Paul II made you burst into tears. Benedict makes you think. It's more pleasurable to weep, but at the moment, perhaps, it is more important to think. So today, what do we do with Pope Francis? Do we weep or do we think? Well, we can still weep, we can still think, but we can also laugh or experience the joy of the gospel. That was the title of his first encyclical, or one of his first encyclicals, the joy of the gospel. The real joy of what it really means to be a follower of Christ that's the radio station that we should stay on as we go along in our car, along the path of life. That's the clearest frequency, the, the joy of the gospel. And each pontiff plays his role. He is, after all, a pontiff that is a bridge to God, a bridge to the truth about God and his saving message. And that fact that we have that bridge must fill us with serenity and joy. I thank you, my God for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.